This is the song, the, the starting song. Welcome to Bleach's BBC, the quarantine Q edition, where we speak to influential people across Berlin to see how they're handling, dealing, and delving with the quarantine crisis. We ask them to choose three of songs that represent their past, their present, and their future, and hear how they're handling and how their life has changed due to the Corona 2020. The music shall be shorter than the live version due to rights reasons. This afternoon, I have a very special guest of mine, a very good friend and a business owner in Berlin. The gorgeous restaurateur from somewhere in Germany, now running a business for the last seven years, creating gorgeous vegetarian and vegan for eight, nine years, vegan and vegetarian food, <laughs> the absolutely fabulous, charming, stunning, beautiful, once makeup artist, now vegan restaurant owner, none other than Maria. Hello. How are you, Maria? I'm really well, thank you. How are you? I'm very well. I mean, I was corrected there because I said seven years because I believe New Delhi Yoga was seven years. New Delhi Yoga was seven years old um, and then seven and a half and then I decided uh, after that uh, to reopen, redefine myself as Maria. The gorgeous, absolutely stunning restaurant, Maria. But we're going to move on to that. Yeah. We're going to start off in your, your background, your youth. Where was you brought up, darling? I was born uh, 40 years ago in uh, west of Germany, uh, nearby Cologne, the city with uh, the biggest queer and gay population in <laughs> Germany. And uh, there I did a lot of things. I like spent 20 years of my life, um, grew up as a the only girl in a, in a household of uh, five children with four brothers, three older brothers and one twin brother. A twin? And I mean, you've got a Greek background, your family's Greek. How's this uh, influenced you? Yes, uh, so my parents are Greeks, uh, but they met in Germany and um, yeah, they decided then to, to start a family and uh, they um, had... Uh, three uh, of my brothers in the beginning, so all my brothers are like 16, 15 and 14 years old and then after 16 years uh, my parents decided to have me and my twin brother bring us to life. Um, yeah, Greek parents, uh, this is a big thing because as I can say I grew up in Germany with a um, Greek background, nationality, I still have the Greek passport, I never got like the German passport. And um, I have to say, I had a lot of um, identity issues. I never belonged to the country of my parents, and I never really belonged to the country where I was born, um, Germany. And how did this, did this manifest in any particular way? Yeah, a little bit, because uh, being like, or having like two nationalities, kind of, the one not really, but the other one on fully on papers, actually um, made me more flexible in life because, um, yeah, growing up like with uh, two um, um, 
Yeah, two backgrounds, so you... Two options, two you get options. to see the world on yeah. both sides. Yeah, exactly. And uh, even though, uh, even that, like, actually um, made my brain more flexible because I could, like, um, dream in Greek and then I could speak in German and then after that I learned English in school and actually the Greek language helped me a lot to learn um, English. Fabulous. I mean, your English is perfect. Thank you, darling. <laughs> So how was younger life near Cologne? Was it a tricky time? Did you feel comfortable at home there? Uh, it was uh, tricky, yes. So born in the 80s and um, I mean, um, yeah, the 80s were a bit different and also like West Germany, we were taught like to work a lot, uh, to be good in school. So there was a lot of habits you had to um, adapt and also like... Uh, I was confronted also with um, bad experience uh, in the way of, yeah, I would never really belong to Germany because of my black hair and a little bit of like tan skin. So it was a bit hard, yes. And I mean your, your family's extended families in restaurant business, making food, so you were born into the kitchen even. Yes, and not only into the kitchen, I was also like born into the uh, textile industry, like say like tailoring. Uh, uh, my cousins, um, they were tailors or they are still tailors and um, in my teens I started like um, tailoring like, I don't know, um, skirts and, and, and shirts and all this. So that was more the creative part and in the food industry was like my parents and also my family uh, owned like restaurants and small like bistros and um, imbis, so imbis is a German word, it's more like a, a little shop like, yeah, to explain it, it would be like a kebab shop, but it was not a kebab shop, it was a gyros shop. So this is like a big thing. Mm. Never tell a Greek person they're selling kebab. <laughs> <laughs> and I yes. mean, you were there for 20 years mm -hmm. before making your way to Berlin and you studied makeup or you worked as a makeup artist? I started makeup uh, artist in Cologne and um, yeah, so like I was like deep into the scene in Cologne, into the queer scene as well. So all my friends would be uh, were queer and hang out, like going into the clubs. And so I made like my first, the first uh, drag I met was Cyber Sissy. Uh, his name is Antoine, and he's from Amsterdam, and he was. Uh, yeah, gorgeous. I mean, he would wear plateaus, even though he's really like tall, but like with the plateaus. And then he had like uh, made up like wigs uh, out of like um, kind of like plastic. It was really cool. And he had also like a little fellow next to him that was Murat. And Murat was disabled, but also a drag queen. And uh, yeah, this is where I actually uh, found the interest in makeup. Mm. So I saw it and I was like, definitely hooked and uh, another friend of mine Elias he's a hair and makeup artist also a drag queen and he would taught me the first steps in makeup and then so I decided to to go and sign up in makeup art school in Cologne. And I mean you were involved in the club scene you're an amazing dancer. Yes and I was actually doing there was a club in Cologne it was called Tingle Tangle it's really funny because Tingle Tangle is kind of like a uh, burlesque uh, also shows I would like to do table dance and I was like by that time I was 18 and um, there was like a Greek um, uh, guy who would run this uh, uh, dance club and he would actually take me always with him to choose the dancers 
And so I was kind of like his uh, little sister. And through him, I met like uh, Bian and Chang. They're really also like big in Cologne. So Chang is a Korean uh, fashion designer and he loves voguing, obviously. And he has like the craziest outfits ever. And um, so we were actually doing also like um, flyers. So we would actually like uh, or like try to attract the people to come into the club and like get a little bit like funky in our club. Oh, gorgeous. Yeah. What was the name of the club? Tingle Tanger. Oh, Tingle Tanger, of mm -hmm. course, of mm -hmm. course. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that brings us on nicely to your first song in the quarantine queue. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What is your first song in the quarantine queue? I choose The Cure because The Cure influenced me a lot uh, because of my hair as well and also the makeup. I, when I very first saw like on MTV the uh, music video from The Cure in between days, I got hooked and I got hooked by Robert Smith and I also like in Cologne there's a big carnival scene and I actually uh, went there on the street as Robert Smith like so that was my first outfit so I, I didn't have like I never brush my hair so it's always like really frizzy and um, I asked um, the, um, the girlfriend of my second uh, oh my third brother my third oldest brother if she can borrow me her uh, lipstick, uh, bright red, obviously, and also like uh, her eyeshadow. And then she said, let me do your makeup. And I was like, yeah, that's cool, but that's not Robert Smith. <laughs> so I took the lipstick and like smushed it over like my whole uh, face and over the lips. So I was Robert Smith. Yeah. A classic Robert Smith look. Classic so Robert Smith. The first song, which is by The Cure, In Between Days, released in 1985. <laughs> mm. It's fabulous. Yeah. Tingle Tango sounds mm. fabulous. Mm -hmm. Tingle Tango was really good and it was really um, kind of like abstract because I was 18 and my uh, my styling back then it was like back then it was like the buffalo, the plateau uh, boots. I, I had one of those like in black and they were really high. I looked like a Frankenstein's shoes. And um, yeah, it was the scene of like, yeah, 19, uh, 80, uh, 1998. So um, yeah, so the techno scene also grew and um, yeah, it was cool, but it got quite boring in Cologne these days, I have to say. And, and then I decided to move actually to Berlin, but I didn't actually decide to move to Berlin. I um, uh, got actually pushed by my um, by the old company that I used to work, and they um, they said you are an enfant terrible. Um, this is French, and it means like you're a crazy child. You should you should go for us and represent us. I used to work for Urban Decay. It's a um, makeup company. Um, they they did actually rebranded their the brand, so it's really old as well. <clears throat> and so they actually said, "You're gonna go and sell the makeup for us in Berlin." And um, back then, Urban Decay had like a powder, a licking powder, brought out. It was like a little like pouch inside, and then you would actually uh, put the golden powder on your skin and like lick it off of the skin. <laughs> and um, so, so I went and I, I actually came in Berlin, I was 20 years old and uh, my ex-boss, or my, my former boss back then, 
He said, Maria, you should go to KitKat. And if everyone knows, KitKat like changed their um, their venues a hundred million times. So I was working at the KDW, which is like a big department store in the west of uh, Berlin, and. Um, Everyone would like jump in. Like I, I sold makeup to Nina Hagen. I sold makeup to uh, one uh, drag from New York. Um, I totally forgot her name. That's really, really sad. And uh, but she had like a club was called um, Black Coalition, Black Girls Coalition Club, and she also invited me to her show, which was happening in Friedrichshain. And back then, I have to tell you, um, Berlin and Friesland was super raw. So it was actually quite like the quarantine time right now. Mm. It was empty. The streets were empty. No one would actually like go outside. Um, there would be parties happening, but more underground and more subtle. And um, so first of all, I finished the story with the Black uh, Girls Coalition Club because it was really interesting for me. I was like 20 and I was kind of like, you say in German Landei, which means like um, an egg from the countryside, <laughs> if I translate it like, like this. So I was, uh, um, how, how would you say in English to this Landei? Well, a country bumpkin, a yeah. new person to the city. I just yes. came from a Polish shop, they used the word shooter, so a new you, person in the city. Exactly, so, and I um, went there and I was by myself, and they had like, um, how you say, where they do the, the dance on the pole. They had like a pole dance a stage. And it was really small because it was in an apartment happening. And there were like crazy people. Like it looked kind of, I thought like, oh my God, are they becoming all vampires right now in like 30 minutes? And I'm like slaughtered by them. Um, but then I got used to it. I had a, a few drinks and then I joined the show and like uh, met a lot of people. And where I'm from, from Cologne, if you're meeting people, you're like, hey, you become uh, friends immediately. So I thought like, yeah, they're becoming my friends. But no one actually called me back. So it was really like um, upsetting um, to, to um, get to know um, each other or having friends uh, immediately in Berlin. It's a bit more rough, it's more distance. Mm. And which is uh, referring again to quarantine, the Germans or the Berliners, they are actually uh, distance. So they are really good in being like social distance. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. So back to uh, urban decay. So. I was standing there, like um, age of 20, obviously, um, having lots of piercings in my face and uh, tattoos on my arms and like um, wearing kind of like drag makeup. So um, it's so funny because they would give like um, abstract names to the lipsticks and also to the products. So we had like lipstick was called pigeon shit. Uh, we had like... Um, a, uh, a eyeshadow everyone was fancying this it was like um, crystal cowboy and stuff like this it was really really cool and um, yeah as I also said like so I met there actually the owners of KitKat because they were used to come in um, back then um, the department store was like you entered it and it was like a big cafe in front of the perfumery where my stand was standing and they would always go and have like this fancy cafe and pralines and stuff. And um, and someone somebody told me they are the guys from KitKat. You should like talk to them. And I was like, guys, I want to do a promotion show with you uh, at the KitKat. And they was yes, definitely. 
I was like, cool. And uh, my colleague, uh, Grit, uh, her name, she is like actually a, a new wave child, like from East Germany. So she, her hair was really like dyed, bleached, platin, and really short. And she had like really like edgy makeup. So it was really like, you'd see her, you'd say, oh my God, she's the, the sister of uh, boy George, uh, beginning of the 80s. And it was really, really cool. So me and Grit and our partners went to the KitKat and um, forgot which, which venue it was. I'm really sorry. I think it was this one in Schoenberg or I don't know. Mm. But anyway, so we went there and had this promotion show and um, the outfit was back then as well, um, either naked or like sexy dressed up. And I was like, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> gonna get naked in between all those weirdos here because it was really crazy yeah I mean I was still young and so I entered this club and there were people in the wheelchair naked there were people in chaps there were people fully naked there were people having actual sex on the stage there was a big wheel the people got like um, hooked on that wheel and someone spun the wheel and you were like Holy crap! <laughs> but everyone loved this licking powder and we sold out immediately. So it was actually good and fun. And uh, my dress was, I don't know, I was wearing kind of like a, like a black hat, like a see-through top. But I, w I have to say, I was not in my sexuality ripe, like to be like, okay, I can like um, show off my tits or something. Mm. No, so it was not that. Anyway, and um, yeah, yeah, then so I actually, and then I had like um, a thought while I was standing, so back in the shop in the department store, I was like, wow, I'm super young. All those people here work uh, more than 20 years here in the shop. I don't want to end up like this. Mm. So I went back to school I finished my, um, it's called like, kind of like an A-level to you, you become like, um, be able to go to the university and study. So I wanted to become like a teacher for disabled kids. And um, because I found this more interesting uh, than like um, not disabled kids. Mm. <laughs> um, and so, and this actually, I don't know, I have to say um, what I always like say to my friends go and study life, go and study the streets. So I had like actually to push my plan with going to university to the back because I was not feeling ready to go to university. And I have to say, I don't regret this uh, because I learned a lot of like, I, I gained like street credibility. Mm. What can I say? Yeah. <laughs> and I met a lot of people. And then there was other clubs that I used to go, Schwartz and also... Uh, back the former name of Burkheim was Osgood. So I met a lot of like a crazy and funny people also next to me in Schwartz was standing the singer of Skanke Nancy. What the fuck is her name? That black beautiful woman. She was ordering a whiskey cola, please. And I got, I lost it. I was like, oh my God. And what I have to say is Berlin was back in the days more avant-garde, I have to say, because there were really actually people that you know from TV, like famous people, and you would actually hang out with them. Nowadays, you don't really see them. It's more like exclusive, and mm. this is really sad. Yeah. I mean, you were thrown into the Berlin scene. Definitely. You, 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 you got yeah. on with it. You stuck yeah. there. You was doing makeup. Yeah. 
You were doing your makeup artistry, and then obviously, yeah. was you doing hospitality at the same time? Um, yes, I would. Um, I started doing hospitality hospitality when I left the department store, and um, uh, and then I uh, used to work in a lot of shops. Like I worked uh, back then in like um, high hospitality restaurant. In, it were no allowed like um, jewelry, and you would have like to wear like a white shirt and like a black long aprons. And I'm super short, so I would always like oops, step over this um, stupid apron. But it was really hard for me. And they, uh, I had like actually to put always tablecloths and also um, like to set up a, a real dinner table. That was my job, and I also had to learn by my heart. Uh, the menu because mm. I would would not giving them a menu in the hand you would stand there and like telling them the menu and uh, but I was good in selling so I was really good in selling makeup and was good in selling back in Cologne perfumes and all this so I did my job really well and and this is where actually I put my heart when I do something I really do um, everything with a lot of patience passion and I mean, it's worked off. You've ended up with a gorgeous restaurant. Obviously, yeah. all that learning came to fruition. Yeah, yeah. And I have to say, uh, I would, I would never, I would always say like, nah, I'm never gonna open a restaurant. It's really crazy. It's so much work, and I don't want to be responsible for all these people and also handling the the restaurant life. It's really crazy. And so um, after I left, I kind of like had like a little bit of a break, a breakdown, like in the age of 28. So this is a huge step, and uh, 28, and I felt like uncomfortable within myself because I was like actually like pitying myself. Oh, I didn't go to university. What am I doing? I'm just like working hospitality. And that was where actually um, I found back to myself and said, hey, hospitality is a proper job. Mm. It's a profession. And uh, no one actually, um, or oh, some people do it really well by with all their Patient, uh, no, passion, sorry, <laughs> it's really hard. Um, and some of them just looking at the, this like, I just want to make money, and that's not true. So I started doing yoga, so I was trained then in, uh, in yoga. I went twice to India, and also while I was in India, I was actually observing people a lot, like writing heaps of diaries uh, on one trip and uh, actually um, observing like how the people like work with the food and they would do actually a pose they they would like be in a squat and doing their yogurt and I was like hey they're doing all the time yoga why are they cooking that's interesting and there I had like this idea like um, I'm, I come back to Berlin I was like okay I'm gonna open a shop I would be like a yoga studio and it would be also uh, a lunch spot and I was like, okay, how should I name it? And then my uh, boyfriend back then, he was, he was uh, really actually, we partied a lot as well and we had a lot of fun. And he was really clever. He said, hey, Maria, you've been to New Delhi. Call it New Delhi Yoga. And I was like, what the fuck? That's brilliant. <laughs> so I named it New Delhi Yoga, but not daily or not Delhi. So I named it Delhi with, without an, an H. And um, so from Delicates. So you opened up New Delhi Yoga on Falkensteinstraße? Falkensteinstraße, yes. Falkenstein yeah, yeah, really yeah. nine years ago today. Yeah, nine years ago. And this actually refers to my child because 
back then, uh, like I, um, Stefan and me had broke, uh, broken up, and so I was like again by my own, but still enjoying life and stuff. And I kind of like the father of Luz, like um, <laughs> entered into my life, and I was uh, thinking, ah, this guy is super gay, <laughs> nothing can happen. Kind of an explosion, and one night, and I like um, was left. Um, pregnant and he like went to, to a trip and I was like fuck I just signed the contract and I have to say I had not much money like to open the shop I had like three grand like from my um, how you say from my insurance mm. because I had an insurance from a life insurance so I cancelled that and the only money that I got paid out from there was three and a half grand I was like fuck what are you gonna do so I started working my ass off daily like 12, 10 hour shifts in hospitality, saved so much money up. In the end, I had like six and a half. And, um, and six and a half thousand euros, you can't really open a shop. It's ridiculous. It's mm. impossible. But I made things which are impossible, I make them possible <laughs> because I am Maria. Yes. <laughs> so I thought, like, okay, this is my big dream. I'm going to like really like ha uh, work hard on it. And um, so... Uh, I asked a good friend, uh, he was like, hey, can you borrow me some money? And he was like, yeah, how much do you want? I was like, oh, six and a half. And he was like, yeah, cool. And um, his name is Max. And um, I said, like, do you know, Max, why don't you become a business partner? So we go house. And he said, yeah, cool, let's do this. Um, so we did actually put the money into the pot, like every one of us, like six and a half. So we had 13 grand. And then I, um, another good friend of mine, Stefan, uh, was also a makeup artist, he actually found the shop. He was like, hey, there's a shop empty on Falkensteinstraße nine years ago. And I was like, oh, Falkensteinstraße, no way, that's not my street. And I was like, okay, let's have a look. And um, the shop was really tiny, but um, the landlord uh, had the idea like, to put like, um, the apartment, which is in the lower part, uh, so qua quasi next to it, so to include it. And she said, yeah, we're going to break off the walls for you, we'll fix all this up, and how much money do you have? And I was like, uh, we only have 13 grand. They were like, 13 grand, and you really want to open this? And I was like, yeah, yeah. And she was like, okay, I trust you. And then uh, found out that I'm pregnant. I just rang her, and I was like, Astrid. I'm pregnant, I think I have to step back, I, I have to get out of the contract. And she said, no, Maria, you're going to do both. And I was like, okay, when she is trusting me this far, let's have a baby. <laughs> so there you were, having a baby, opening up New Delhi. Yeah, Nova. renovating like 110 square meters, like coming to the, um, <laughs> to the shop every morning, having a puke and then like starting <laughs> taking the wallpaper off. <laughs> Yes, and um, I had like a lot of uh, help from, from my friends and um, everyone would come like one day in the week and the second and they would actually help me and also Max and um, yeah, so my belly would grow really big and it looked that I'm having twins. Uh, it was only one and like a stubborn baby, I think kind of like me and I'm not stubborn, I have just an... And an idea of myself. <laughs> Maybe I'm stubborn. I don't know. Anyway, so I had like Luz and um, split up with her father, but it was still like for me, I'm not splitting up with my business. So 
I can break up with people, but I would never break up with my dream. So I uh, continue um, the business. Uh, and what was funny was like, so I left Jose, one man in my life, and then my business partner left me because he couldn't actually bear uh, anymore with the cope with the business. And he was saying like, this is not my business. This has always been your business, Maria. I'm just going to like drop the mic and I was like okay cool so I was actually quite happy <laughs> because the business just started doing well and I could actually like um, um, give the chance to, uh, to people like to work with me and um, so the team grew and I met a lot of like uh, Australians back then and New Zealanders I was always my team And then they left and then they came. I actually counted up like in those nine years, I actually worked together with almost 70 people. <laughs> and that's so funny because um, it's so fast paced, like the shop, like the restaurant, the hospitality. You have to be always like, you never stop growing, you know, and you're growing organically. So if you, if you start something which is like perfect from the start, it will get quite boring. So my business was never um, perfect from the start. It was fucking empty. So it was a yoga studio. And until I got like a table and other tables, it cost me three years. So, and I would actually like earn all the money and like put it into the business. So, which actually... I'm actually, I'm not stingy, not at all, but I, I don't re really need money. The idea also of money is so totally abstract for me. Uh, so, um, yeah, I would actually live like a good life, a simple life. And also like my, my food is quite, um, it's simply cooked, like with simple ingredients, but it looks funky because I say always, it's more like being an architect or a painter rather to be a cook. And if I actually like uh, have new people like applying for a kitchen job and I would say, okay, have you worked in hospitality? This was the interview and they would say, yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, cool. And um, I don't really care about skills, how their knife skills are. It's more actually the, the person who is working with me. And I always say working with me, no one is working for me. And this is really important to respect um, people and to respect yeah. each other. It's and really I mean, you're clearly a strong, independent woman, raising a child, yeah. creating a business, teaching yoga every day. Was that? No, it was not every day. Every in the beginning, the, the first two years, it was every day. Yes, and uh, had also other um, teachers who wanted to become part of it because also of the funky name, New Delhi Yoga. Everyone would like, wow, what is this? <laughs> well, they cook. And then, you know, I started cooking like, and also like with the ideas of the food. I was like, fuck. Back then, there was no street food markets here and no like um, street food. And I was like, fuck that, I bring the Indian street food to, to Berlin. So I was actually one of the first who actually brought this Indian street food um, and, like in a bigger portion size um, for people. So I would sell a lot of... I had only one dish in the beginning. That was the aloo chop, like a chickpea curry, really hearty. And I have to say, I cooked this dish like for fully eight years now. Like I stopped like last year with it but it's still good and so delicious and people loving it and people are actually when we have returners from like abroad they're like do you have this chickpea curry <laughs> I was like yeah yeah we do this no we don't do this anymore please cook it again I was like yeah yeah okay cool 
And, um, and this is actually because all my dishes are unique. I'm not a copycat. I hate copycats. I don't understand why people like trying to copy uh, each other. I think it's a lack of identity. And this is like, and this is where I actually have to say, these two nationalities in my life, they actually build up my identity or build up my identity like in this um, 40 years of like, the importance is like not what you are doing, it's how you're doing it. So how you're meeting people, how you're respecting people, how you like um, treating each other, how you talk to each other. You, everyone can influence each other, you know. So now I'm talking to you. When I met you, you, um, you came into the shop and I was like, ah, yeah, he's obviously a drag queen. You said then I am a drag queen. I thought like, mm, obviously. <laughs> no eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I really felt in love with you, Oli, I have to say. And also, you're doing things like on the go. You juggle with things and also like with stress. And, um, and, this, is, and this is like what it is, you know, what we are doing with uh, cooking food. Uh, it's, it's, it's culture. Mm. And culture needs power. And culture needs actually energy, you know. You can't do and You can't like create a dish without energy or like with an open mind, you know. I mean, you've made some classic, strong, classic Maria dishes. Yeah. Individual and special dishes yeah. such as the aloo chop and yeah. the stack. Yeah, the, the goddamn stack. <laughs> and these were building up during the New Delhi yoga time and then yeah. you, you take this conversion into a restaurant. Genau. I take this conversion into a restaurant because I was fed up. So, yeah, back then to, uh, to the yoga. So I would um, then, I thought like, okay, uh, in that time when New Delhi yoga was like growing and getting older, there were like a lot of like yoga students like sprang out of the, the bottom, you know, there would like be like, there's a yoga studio, there's yoga. And then some also like copied my business. And, um, and then I was saying like, fuck that, I have to teach yoga for free. So I decided to teach for free like the last five years. Mm. And people would not understand this because I was like, why is it for free? And I was like, because. And they, they would not really take this answer for granted. And, and can we donate something? No, just come and do yoga with me. And I met again through the yoga a lot of like interesting people and like they enjoyed the class and I enjoyed them. I get to know them, I get to know their bodies and, and like giving uh, enlightenment, also like showing them how it is because what it becomes with yoga and all this life thing is like um, people just using it on demand and they they it's like um consuming it and mm. it's not something that you're consuming it's like a lifestyle what you're like inhabit and this is different when you like what i would say um train yoga so um i would always say like hey i'm a little bit further than you guys in your uh, in your asanas in your practice so i'm not like 10 steps in front of you and maybe like one or two steps in front of you and, and this is that good everyone would would like to do like funky like handstands and or funky like um i don't know headstands or like i don't know crazy like pigeons <laughs> they would not understand what it means like to do the beginning of the asana mm, mm. and um so like i decided and, and back then i would like get a lot of like um uh, here, like posts, like um, journalists would write about us and say, "Yeah, New Delhi Yoga, the studio with free yoga class." Well, no one actually would actually 
say something about my food. And I was mm. like, fuck that. Yeah, I do good <laughs> yoga. I do good yoga, but I do very good food as well. So I was like, okay, skip the yoga, uh, ditch the yoga and like start as Maria. And Maria, and I write also the name in capital letters. And um, Maria is, is strong. Like, and also I want, what I want to bring also to to my customers is that also like vegan food, it don't needs to be funky, it just needs to be delicious and good and simple, like simple ingredients to cook. And um, so Maria became Maria's restaurant. And, and in the beginning I was struggling a little bit with the menu because it's really hard. Where is the identity of Maria? What is Maria's food? So I would actually bring some old dishes from New Delhi to the menu and also bring um, new um, dishes, uh, but there would be more like um, food veganized, uh, like German traditional dishes and veganized, yeah. I mean, we have a guest here at the uh, Maria's. Hey, we're just recording a podcast. Sorry. No worries. Yes. So, so, I mean, Maria's restaurant was born and you started doing day and night service. Yeah, day and, and night service. And I don't understand, actually, because of the quarantine time, actually, that showed me, why the fuck am I doing, like, day and night service? <laughs> I have to become, actually, only a night service uh, restaurant. Exactly. And there we were, and of course quarantine came and shut everything down. Yes, and quarantine How shut... How long was Maria shut during that time? Uh, it? It, it's now, uh, I think it's now uh, eight weeks or longer. No, Hang but you, no. I mean, you kept open, we yeah. obviously shut the doors uh, we at shut, Maria's, yeah, yeah, we shut incredibly quick and started serving true, true, takeaway, true. vegan we, comfort We food. closed for only like two weeks and then we bounced back like um, with, actually bounced back and then I thought like, oh, we need to sell lunch and I was like, no, no, no. We need to stick to our identity, which is like dinner. And um, with you also, like working with me um, and also with all the others who like um, supporting me and also like helping me to, to um, decide. Um, we actually pushed it through social media and uh, got also a little bit of um, credits here and there. So we decided to do dinner. And uh, that is semi-successful, I have to say, because um, people rather buy like a pizza for 15 bucks or like order food where they live like next door two houses because they are, I don't know, fucking, um, how you say, um, um, they don't, they're fucking lazy, they don't want to like, go out of the house or like uh, prefer eating um, burgers and, and stuff like that. And I mean, there was quarantine, it shut you down for two weeks, but you moved on to takeaway and delivery yeah. options. Yes, yes, yes. And that brings us to your second song on the quarantine yes. queue. What song, what song represents the time now? Um, the Killers, When We Were Young. Gorgeous. So this is The Killers, <laughs> When We Were Young. <laughs> Thank you. 
We don't have to ask questions, darling. We just can't. That's the story. The story. That was The Killers When We Were Young, Maria's third option on, second option on the quarantine queue from the Las Vegas band The Killers, released in 2006. So I mean, here we are, the world has changed rapidly, you adapted quickly, you offered takeaway food. You yes, which I don't like. <laughs> and I mean, quarantine's hopefully easing up at the moment. Yeah. And it looks like maybe in two weeks, next week, we get to see Maria's doors open again. How's quarantine been for you? Horrible. Because um, I'm not a fan of like uh, takeaway food. Uh, first of all, it looks like kind of like weird to setting like a dish uh, on a in a takeaway container and then taking it home and eating it cold, or like try to heating it up. And it, with the components, it's uh, sometimes not possible like to heat it up. How you would like? Um, naja, heat up the hummus. <laughs> it makes it impossible. <laughs> and. Um, and stuff like this, and uh, also like the, the, the rubbish, what, what occurs to that quarantine-like uh, time, where everyone is taking the food out, uh, food away, but they're, taking, they're, they're eating it out, like on the streets. Mm. People are asking us, like, do you have cutlery? And I say, no. And why do you don't have cutlery? Because I don't want to, like, uh, make more rubbish on the streets. Mm. This is really important for me. I mean, obviously, you're uh, eco-friendly. You're completely vegan menu now. You're yes, I decided to go uh, vegan because um, I was actually more like concerned that we can we um, lose more customers. But then I thought, like, nine, I have to do like a strong decision, and uh, I can't be like half this and half that. So I decided like to become now strongly vegan. And I mean, you've been busy in the restaurant. How has quarantine been at home for you? How, how has it affected your mental health in any way? Um, y yes and no. It's kind of like boring because you don't really like have contacts to your, to your friends. And then I actually lost also friends through the quarantine because we had like different ideas of like um, um, dealing with, uh, with the, the first lockdown and um, people would be afraid and I still actually see um, when we actually are allowed to open the, the doors that uh, people would be still afraid to go out. Mm. Yeah. I mean, hopefully it's moving quickly. It looks like in a few weeks you'll be able to open with distancing. Are you excited yeah. for this moment? Yes, I'm definitely excited because it's, it's like different to cook for people who are sitting in the restaurant and creating an atmosphere rather than like to cook and um, you never have a feedback, you know, they're taking it home, yeah, it was delicious, 
Yeah, cool. Thanks for that. Just tell me, what was your impression when you first like had the first bite? Do you loved it? Give us, give us, give us love, sharing us your um, ideas. And I, I, I still think most of the people here are unable uh, uh, to cook. They're not able to cook, so they, you see this, like this, uh, the streets are full with uh, burger cartons, pizza cartons, and um, yeah, stupid uh, rubbish. Yeah, I mean, it's been a tough time, but uh, inside the restaurant, we've seen changes. You have some new contemporary art. Hang? Yes, 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 yes. And some new renovations. Yeah. Yeah. You feel excited for the, yes, the new I, Maria. Yes, I feel excited. And as I said, everything is growing up uh, like um, um, in a... Uh, what did I say? Um, um, growing the natural way. Organically. Uh, organically, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. It's gr uh, growing organically, so... Um, yeah, we're doing this and that and we're planning also some shows with you and also like uh, food is entertaining, uh, entertaining people and but you can entertain people in so many different levels. And I mean that brings us on to our last song on the quarantine queue. Yes. Which is? Groove is in your heart and I, I actually uh, want to remind the people have always groove in your heart and try to build up good things and um, Don't actually look back, just always like look straight forward. Gorgeous. This is Groove is in the Heart by D-Light. Nice. <laughs> I can't wait till the next Christmas party. Same. <laughs> <laughs> so that was Groovers in the Heart from the American band Delight from 1919 and it's Maria's final song in the quarantine queue. Yes. How do you see the world after this corona crisis? Do you see a hopeful future? Do you think Berlin and the city can bounce back from this? Um... um. Not really, if I like look into our politicians. <laughs> We, the idea is not to bounce back, the idea is to bounce like in a, in a better way, I would say. Uh, because what it was before was not normal. We were all stressed, we had to work a lot, we didn't really enjoy, we mostly consumed things and we didn't really like, uh, we were not aware of um, what it means like um, to deal with everything. People are more conscious, maybe now, or like try to be conscious. Well, uh, hopefully we'll bounce back better then, or we'll bounce yeah. better. We'll bounce better. We'll bounce better. Yeah. Well, that brings us to the end of the quarantine queue, Maria. And I give you uh, the full works of Shakespeare and the Bible, and you yeah. get to choose a book of your own. Aha. Uh -huh. A book of my own, uh, which is... Um, huh, there are so many good books... But I think one of my favorite books is from Milan Kundera, um, Unbearable uh, Lives of Being. What? Lightness of Being. Ah, the, uh, the lightness of unbearable being? Is it like... Being, the unbearable lightness of being. The unbearable lightness of being. Sorry, I just know. In German, the, it, uh, um, 
Oh, God damn it, now I lost the German <laughs> title. <laughs> the German title is um, the... Oh, God. Um, uh, sorry. No worries. I'm sure we will find it. We'll yeah. be putting it in our reading list straight away. Yes. And then if the lockdown continues, the internet breaks down and you're stuck with these three songs, what song would you save? If I would, we were stuck with these three songs, I always go back to The Cure. They influ influence me the most and um, all the songs from The Cure um, are like lovely and uh, love songs. They actually um, carry the love um, the most and the better than other artists did. I have to say this. Well, thank you very much, Maria. It's been a lovely time. Thank you, Oliver. Uh, bleach. <laughs> This has been Bleach's BBC, the Quarantine Q edition, where we spoke to the restaurant owner, food influencer, Maria. I hope you can come to the restaurant very soon as the doors open to try the gorgeous food. And until then, please look back at the Bleach's BBC back catalogue, where we talk to other businesses, such as the latex designer Lupe and the fashion shop Shura. And until then, I hope you have a very good time. I've been Bleach, and this is Bleach's BBC.